welcome to the Entrepreneur Studio. So glad to have you. Honored to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're like, you're you're gonna be like on a plaque engraved on the wall that you were a part of the Entrepreneur Studio. No way. I'm just kidding, but isn't uh, that a great that idea? That would have been, yeah. We just you have this sign. We just have the sign. I didn't even see my name on there. No, your name's in wow. lights, like literally pink lights. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it would be appropriate for us to hear a little bit about your business and it's called the Bondi Bowls. Correct. Did I pronounce it right? Yes. Yeah, because yes. when I walk when I walk down to, uh, in downtown Edmond or see the truck, I probably have pronounced it incorrectly. We get a lot a of Bondi, but we yeah. accept it. Yeah. As long as you're saying it and you're showing up, that's yeah, all we care yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where'd the name come from? So the name came from Bondi Beach in Australia. Okay. I lived there for about two years and loved it. So I'm originally from here in Edmond, Oklahoma. I did my undergrad out in California. I just wanted to test myself, challenge my faith, challenge me as an individual. I loved my time out there and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to test myself again. Why don't I move to Australia, to Sydney, Australia, and not know anyone, don't have a job, nothing lined up, no place to live. And your parents are okay with this? Shockingly, yes. Got I it. still am shocked that they said, okay, sure, why not? We'll support you. I didn't necessarily tell them everything I was getting myself into. Okay. They thought I had a bit more secure housing than I did, uh-huh. um, things like that, but I just, just kept on the DL. Okay, so. so when you say like you didn't have housing, you show up in Sydney, mm-hmm. you, you take you know transportation to the opera house and you're like, well, <laughs> where am I gonna live? Yeah, so I had found housing before I went out there okay. through like a friend through friend's Facebook. And then two weeks before I went out, she messaged, hey, sorry, we can house you for like a couple weeks, but actually we gave your spot to someone else. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I was a stranger and this other person was someone they knew and so they felt more comfortable with it, which makes sense. So they were willing to let me kind of like crash at their place until I got on my feet. Uh But it was kind of a scary, oh no, am I making the wrong decision? Am I actually supposed to be moving to Australia? Um, But I decided to stick to it and kind of leave that detail out to my parents. So did you try and like sell yourself when you got there? You're like, see, I'm amazing. Exactly. I'm super fun and I'm bubbly. Yeah, (laughs) you should choose me. Exactly. Uh, Kick the other person out, keep me. So. All right, so from Oklahoma all the way to Sydney, Australia, how did sort of the business idea Like, talk to me a little bit about maybe your first entrepreneurial idea even before this business. Ooh, good question. I think I always have had an entrepreneurial mindset. I love creating things, starting things, but I don't think I've ever come up with a good idea that's worth pursuing. I was really, I am pretty creative. I love photography. So I always thought maybe I would do something like that on the side of Mm -hmm. going to a marketing job. My mom used to own Subways and a nonprofit. And so I always was really passionate about that. And I could see myself doing something similar. I didn't expect to have the platform and have Bondi um, at such a young age like I did, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. Well, what's your, what was your first job? Did you work for your mom? I worked for my mom. I was about 11 to 12 years old working Subway. She taught me work ethic, discipline, so many little things. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I will say one of the things that has been a theme here in the studio is the amount of female influence on female entrepreneurs has been really, really strong, really remarkable. So like what's kind of a, 
uh, like maybe take the work ethic thing. What was, what's a story around like, I, you realize like your mom has got a ridiculously good work ethic <laughs> and how did that show up and how did you sort of try to imitate that? Yeah, I think both my parents have incredible work ethics. My mom, especially just watching her work Subway, like she was always cleaning the floors the hardest out of anyone in there. Wow. She was, you know, getting behind the toilet and really scrubbing it. Also her customer service. She was always had a smile on her face and created relationships with each customer that walked in. There was no judgment. Like her best friend was this 80 year old man, Melvin, that would come in every day and get a foot long feast and oh a gosh. bag of Funyuns. Every and, day. Yep. And um, those are like the memories that I remember of her just being so intentional with her customers, mm -hmm. but also making sure that she was the cleanest subway, um, as well as just like taking care of her employees and taking care of the customers in big ways. So that makes a lot of sense as to why franchises was uh, something that you had a little bit of experience and yeah. your, your, your parents had a little bit of experience in that, that. Okay, that's really good. We'll talk about that more. So let's talk about your, your in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. When, when was this and what's sort of the timing and how did you kind of show back up in Oklahoma and start a business? Yeah, because that's kind of where Bondi started. So I was living on Bondi Beach. 2018, I moved there. Fast forward to 2020. It's March 23rd of 2020. And... This is day. the heat of COVID. Yes, everything was starting to lock down. Wow. People were making big decisions. I'd actually just lost one of my two jobs at this time. And my dad had called me and I could tell by the tone of his voice that something was wrong. And the more we talked, he just kind of broke down and was like, I found a six centimeter tumor in my bladder. Mm. Um, the doctors say it doesn't look good. I'm going in for emergency surgery in the morning, but I wanted to tell you, don't feel obligated to come home. But then I heard my mom and my sister crying in the background. And in that moment, it hit me like I need to be home for them um, and also for my dad. So I jumped on the next flight. I got home and thankfully his cancer or his tumor was a non-invasive cancer. So um, with normal life expectancy, which was such a praise and like an answer to so many prayers mm. over those 24 hours as we waited. But now I was back in Oklahoma. I was almost angry at God that he had brought me home mm. because now I couldn't go back to Australia. They had lockdown rules and restrictions and I wasn't able to get back over there. So now I was stuck here. It was the heat of COVID, no one was hiring. Mm -hmm. I was applying for every job you can imagine from sales and marketing to McDonald's and Subway. I was in not picky in the job. I work hard at anything that I do and I don't care what it is, but no one was hiring. So Not even your mom? <laughs> not even my, so it was crazy. And we say this is a God thing, but my mom sold both of her Subways right before COVID. Oh my gosh. And so I, if she had kept the Subways, we talk about it all the time. I would have been the manager of Subway. Yeah. Um, and we would have not had Bondi Volts because wow. I would have taken that under my wing and kind of just flourished with bond with Subway. So I was making these acai bowls for my dad because of their amazing health benefits. They have antioxidants, minerals, vitamins, and I wanted to fuel him and he loved it. He thought it tasted so good. Had you had you cooked or like made food like that before or is this like you just started no. doing research and you're like, I'm gonna make one for dad? So they're really big in Australia. They're pretty big in California where I did my undergrad as well. So I'd had them a lot. But my dad was like anti-fruit and he does not like that kind of stuff. And so when he visited me in Australia, he came out and I was eating an acai bowl for breakfast. I couldn't finish, so I made him eat it, like finish it for me. And he was like, these are so good. And so the whole time we were in Australia, he was eating, he was like, where can we get an acai bowl? I want an acai bowl. And so he fell in love with them. Oh my gosh. So when That's I came like home. Sushi. <laughs> yeah. 
when I came home, I was like, all right, I want to fuel you with this. It, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. So I researched, you know, the best kind of acai that has no sugar, no preservatives in the acai. It's pure, straight from the Amazon. Um, wow. I was intentional about all of our ingredients and products that go into it. I perfected my own granola. So I worked really hard with my mom to make the best tasting granola you could ever have. Same with our almond butter and peanut butter. So we made our own recipe and little things like that. And so I was doing that, perfecting it, making it for friends and family. And my mom on a random Tuesday night was scrolling through Facebook and she saw that there were like these food trucks in local neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Bailey, get out of the house, get a food truck and do this, serve the community. And so she's probably, she has a lot to do with this. And she, once um, she said that, I was like, I could either say, cool, good idea, mom, or I could be like, let's go and do this. Yeah. So I chose the latter. That weekend, I bought a food truck spontaneously. And then after a month of working it out, getting the truck wrapped, all the little things that go into making a business, we were up and running day three. We blew up. Um, I was having to hire employees. I thought it'd be something that I would just do on the weekends for friends and family, but it had exponentially grown. We had people driving hours to come try our product. We had grown drastically on social media, on Instagram. And so after day three, I knew we were onto something. We did 60 events throughout the month of July. So wait, I wait, was wait, working. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. So how did you get a food truck? Yeah. Okay. Number one, how did you get a food truck? And then how are people hearing about you at this point? So I found the food truck on Facebook marketplace. I was looking on like used vending and Facebook marketplace. And I found a couple of them and we went and toured all of them. This one was specifically in Tulsa. So I went out and the guy, he worked for a church and his wife was having their first baby. So he was wanting to transition out and he was selling the truck way over my asking, like my budget. Um, but I still wanted to tour it because it was so cute. So we toured it and we toured the other ones that were reasonable within my price. But I fell in love with this one in Tulsa. And this guy said he had had people offer at offering price, but he wanted to give it to someone that had the passion mm -hmm. for a business and dedication towards their business mm -hmm. that he just really saw would take this truck and blossom with it. And so um, I came home, I woke up the next morning and I texted him a lowball offer that was within my budget. And he immediately responded, deal. And when we went and picked it up, he was like, I have been praying and been hoping for the right person to take this truck and to wow. take it to the next level. And little did he know that by selling a 24-year-old girl straight from Australia, that food truck that we would have, we now have 17 food trucks across eight states. We now have two storefronts open and two kiosks in different sporting facilities. Wow. All because that guy waited to find the person that was passionate about their business rather than just selling it to the highest bid. All right, so passion was your competitive advantage. <laughs> I guess so, okay, yeah. Okay, well that's good. It's probably yeah. served you well. It has, it really has. Okay. I think I think the drive and the passion and having a mission statement. So even before we bought the truck, my family and I sat down and we're like, what is gonna be our mission statement? What is our verse? Where are we going? What are our values? And because we we established those at the very beginning, I do believe that's why we have grown at the rate that we have in mm -hmm. two and a half years and continue to grow and expand in like big ways all across the United States. So it's amazing. So, you know, passion is a competitive advantage. You talked told us about how you got the food truck. Day three, how are people finding you and coming to your your food truck from a long ways away? Yeah, we had people driving I'm two and a half hours to come get a bowl. 
I studied marketing, so I think it does kind of go back to marketing. Mm -hmm. I love social media and Instagram, so I jumped on that platform and promoted, as well as promoting on my personal and just not being ashamed or fearful of my business, mm -hmm. but instead like grasping it and running with it. I think especially at the beginning, you can be like fearful of what people will think or the judgments that might come. I remember telling my girlfriends, hey, I think I'm gonna buy food truck and do acai bowls. And they kind of like tilted their head and they're like, of course, Bailey, would do that. Yeah, like yeah. that's such a Bailey thing. Uh, okay. But I took that as an opportunity. I was like, I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to give it 50%. I'm going to give it everything I have. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it was just social media and promoting. We make our bowls aesthetic. I also, our truck wrap, like the pink that we have, it's like this really pretty pastel pink. Uh -huh. And I was very specific about that and how I wanted the truck to look and the vibe we wanted to give off. I remember... I had my first booking on a Thursday and I went to pick my truck up that morning from the truck wrap guy. Because mm -hmm. um, like I said, we did this in a month. So everything was moving quick and I couldn't keep up already. I went to go pick it up and it was a hot bubblegum pink. And I was like, this is not the pink that I chose. This is not the pink that I sent you. And he was like, oh, it's no big deal. Like nobody will notice or care. Like it's just a pink. And it was in that moment, I think, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, I had to decide, is it worth it? Or do I just say, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. And I had to say, okay, no, I'm going to take all of next week off and you're going to rewrap this to the color that I have sent you and specifically asked for. Wow. And I think that was a big step for me because I am a yes girl and I'm an uh, avoid conflict type of person. Okay. But in that moment, it really tested me of like, okay, is it worth it? I need to make those hard decisions and make those judgment calls if I wanna grow this into a brand and be something that I see potential for. And this was like a key piece that I learned in marketing, like mm. what your product looks like, what your truck looks like, how you market things. So that was kind of a big, my first big girl like decision mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. step moving forward. Yeah, holding, but, holding the boundary with the rap guy. That's yeah, good. exactly. All right, so what made you sort of sit down and decide on vision, mission, values before re really you started making major decisions? Yeah, I feel like that is something that I just learned from my parents, especially my mom. She does everything with a purpose. It is like she opened Subway with the idea of getting to bless our local community and then get to know the customers and get to know that community. And that's what spurred on the nonprofit. Her mission and her objective was always a nonprofit, but Subway was the way that she got to that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've always, and, and in school, I think in my business school that I went to, they were they hounded on having a mission statement. And like Simon Sinek, or he always talks about having your why when mm -hmm. you go into things. And so it was just something big that we thought of beforehand of what is our mission? So it's encouraging God-honoring conversation while providing clean and healthy meals. All right, say and that again. Encouraging God-honoring conversation okay. while providing clean and healthy meals. All right, that's cool. So we have two, well, we have three values. It's faith, community, and health. Um, and those are our objectives and that's what we go after. And by having that, it keeps us on track. It keeps us moving forward. Mm -hmm. We just had our first Bondi retreat this weekend. Wow. So we had- I did see that on social media. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah. 17 food truck owners from all over the US. We had people flying in from Portland to Oklahoma for us to have our first retreat. And it was just reminding them of the mission and just watching them 
having lived out, listening to the stories of the lives that they've touched in their community, mm -hmm. the things that they've fundraised for, for local families in need, or giving to you know the fire department, whatever it is, getting to bless their community and listening to all these stories of lives that are being changed in Lubbock, lives that are being changed in Portland, in mm -hmm. Flagstaff, in Tennessee, literally all over the United States um, because we're a brand on a mission. Mm -hmm. And we, have a, we know we have a bigger role than just selling clean and healthy products, yeah. serving really good smoothie bowls. Yeah. So I think I that's that what conversation is a part of it. Part yeah. of so does, do all of them have the exact pink food truck? We have two blue food trucks, okay. but the rest are all pink. So you made an exception. Yeah, I made okay. an exception. It was because it was a boy that bought it. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, do I have to drive a pink food truck? I was like, no, we like, can find another no. pastel. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, okay, so pastels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so tell me a little bit about day three. What are some of the things that are going through your mind that you're like, how, how are these people finding us? This is amazing. You, you seem to have some traction. You know, people are, are uh, organically sharing all of this, hey, check out what I got, all this kind of stuff. So talk to me about some of the thoughts that are going through your head, the feelings that you're having. I honestly couldn't process anything. Uh -huh. um, I remember the um, governor came on our day three and I was like, whoa, um, to be honest, I didn't even know what a governor was. I, it's very <laughs> like, I literally, it's my amazing. family makes fun of me all the time of like, I did not understand how big a deal it was until after our event and they were like, Bailey, that was a big deal. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. I was like, I was in Australia. I didn't keep up with these things. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was just cool to see like the community just rally around this small business. But I don't think I ever fully processed until I feel like I'm still trying to process all the blessings and the, the moments You're that we've had. Yeah, I'm literally, I'm just in it for it. I loved though getting to hire employees. When we hired, I hired a college girl and two high schoolers um, on day three, and I just threw them in the truck. That first shift, our generator went out in the middle of making smoothie bowls, so then we had to shut down. Our air conditioning went out, so my dad had to go buy us a little makeshift air conditioning where it blocked the door, and so they were having to like adjust with us, mm -hmm. and instead of them complaining and being like, I'm never working there again, they like dove into the fact that this was a small business and they like fell in love with the process. And they have taught me so much of like little things on customer service, but also, oh, Bailey, why do you have this shelf here? Like all of this should be over here. It makes more sense. And yeah. things like that, that like have played a big role into our efficiency and how we've grown. So That's I awesome. love bringing the people into it. All right, so speaking of people, you know, you've got a set of core values and typically it's like, you know, most businesses will screen people, like when you're trying to build a culture, screen people uh, either when you're getting ready to hire them or as you're, you're working together, screen them on their, the values. So how, did you, how have you incorporated sort of the value system into the people that you choose to hire? Yeah, so at the storefront, which is the place I own, and it's mainly high school and college kids that I hire out there, for them, I'm, I just do a first interview, and you kind of just, from that first conversation, see where their passion lies, and, mm -hmm. and you learn a lot about them in that one 15, 20-minute conversation. That plays a factor, and I've been so blessed that 
almost all of my employees are just so hardworking, love the brand, love our business, mm -hmm. and they love serving people. We just get so many positive reviews on our customer service and engagement. And I will be walking around Sam's or something like that, and someone will stop me and say, I had the greatest experience with you know, Sam. She was so kind to me at the store and things like that. So that's been really cool. Um, so it's not as strict of a screening, but to be a franchise owner, we are a bit strict in that. So it's normally like an initial interview with Jacoby, who's my chief sales officer, and his main role is working on expansion and growth. So he does a first screening interview with them. Um, and then after that, I do a screening interview with them. Mm -hmm. And then if we both think that it's a good fit, they'll come out and do an experience where they will be on the truck, see if it's actually a lifestyle that they would be willing to commit to. Mm -hmm. After that, then they move forward to like actually getting, you know, signing the contract and moving forward in that process, doing the start up and helping them find the truck and stuff. Okay, so it's like uh, the mix between uh, business fit and a culture fit. Yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. Well, what made you, with the growth, like, um, I, you know, there's always like startup, build out, uh, scale up. And I think, you know, your startup accelerated pretty fast and now you're, you're kind of in uh, build out mode faster than most, right? A couple years in. What made you pick the route of franchise versus like chain and you owning, you know, all of the, the food trucks and the restaurants and managing it from a sort of centralized business that way instead of decentralized through franchises? Yeah. When I first started about a month in, um, a man approached me to grab coffee and he was a bit older and I was a bit hesitant about bringing in a mentor of any sort. Mm -hmm. um, so a random guy so says, a random, hey, you wanna go get coffee? Yeah. You're like, what kind of <laughs> exactly. is this gonna be? Okay. And then his daughter-in-law who had booked us came up to me and was like, you need to Google this guy. He's a big deal. And he would be a great resource and a mentor. Mm -hmm. So um, I did, and he is, and he's fantastic. And so I sat down with him about a month into starting. And I was telling him my business and telling him about it. And he was asking these really great questions and then he just sat back and he was like, wait, you started this. He thought I was a franchise of a business. And then when he, he found out that I had founded this and started this from, from scratch and a month ago, he was like, Bailey, you're onto something. Let's power through this. I, I think you have a lot of potential. And that relationship with um, my mentor, Pat, has been incredible. He has grown Bondi exponentially. He's the one that brought in a lawyer to do the franchising process. But we chose franchising for multiple reasons, but one of them being the fact that families wanted to buy into the experience. And I had people reaching out that they wanted to be a small business and they wanted to serve their local community. And that's what I wanted. So on our website, when you Google us, it's nationally known, locally owned because our owners are all local to their community. They're serving their people versus me coming in and serving the town of Lubbock. This just adds an extra small business and local feel that you get by being a franchise versus corporate just coming in and putting up locations left and right in different areas. So he really encouraged me to go that route. Also, I didn't have the finances at this point to be putting in a lot of money and popping up left and right. I also, after a lot of thought and talk with my mentors and my family was, we didn't want to bring investors in mm -hmm. at that point. We wanted it to be still a small family owned business where we were passionately running after things. And I wanted to enjoy my work and not have to have a lot of business meetings or talks with investors, especially mm -hmm. up front at the beginning. So that's kind of what 
started it and just the fact that we had already had people reaching out to mm-hmm. open one. So Fort Worth was our first franchise. I didn't know her at all. And now we're like best friends. We like went on a run on Sunday together, that kind of thing. But we chose to do franchising because of what my mentors had pushed me in. Mm-hmm. And it's actually technically a license, not a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, licensing is a lot cheaper. I'm licensing the right to all of the different things that we own as corporate. So mm-hmm. we own the the trademarks and the patents and things like that. So that's kind of what we're licensing out versus a franchise. And recipes, you licensing mm-hmm. those out too? Yes. And then we Because you, you had to document all of that and so that you can actually license it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I have this like really thick folder of just all the different little things, all the recipes, the know-how, where to buy your truck, how to buy these things so that you just, you buy it once and it's like, you're not buying a whole bunch of things and learning We've already figured it all out. Mm -hmm. We know how to be efficient. We know how to be quick. We know how to serve the best product. We have the truck wrap file. You're not having to pay for that or have someone design it. We have the website, the social media, the emails, all that kind of stuff. Another thing was my sister, she was in law school at the time. And so I was just also learning from her just how to be a smart business because she was learning in class um, about businesses and about non-smart businesses and how to you know, protect yourself as a business. So she taught me a lot as well getting started, which was really fun. Oh, well, I mean, that's good. Probably trademarks, right? Yeah. copyright, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, super cool. Well, like one of the things that I think is interesting about a franchise or even licensing is it's kind of like, what are you selling? Like you're selling a license that was, that's super clear, which is effectively a contract for intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And let's take like Chick-fil-A, for example, right? It's ultimately like, it's, it's a closely held franchise, right? And they've got a, definitely a nationally known brand and it's really hard to get a store. It's really hard to get a second store, Yeah. right? But what the, the intensive sort of nature of the way that they, they run those franchise, franchises pretty, it, I mean, it, like I said, it's intense. So what are, like, are you selling the brand in your mind? Are you selling the experience? Like, what's the primary thing yeah. that you're really, what are you really selling? Yeah. Because it may not be the product. I believe Bondi is three things. We're a really good product, but we're also a story. I think that the Bondi Bull story and getting to to use it in your community has been really impactful. So every single time you approach a truck, there's gonna be an A-frame out front with the story of Bondi. So about my dad and our family and how we came together and started this business. And below it's gonna be the story of the local owners of how they came about to do this business, what they love about it. Um, And so you get to be really personable with our owners and with our brand and our business. But we do, we create an experience. Our culture is is one of the best, I would say. we just, we love each other. We're a family. We serve each other um, and we serve our community really well. Yeah. We also, another thing that makes us super unique to competitors, one I kind of touched on that our ingredients are really clean and healthy. So we don't put any sugar or preservatives in that base. It is pure acai. It costs us a bit more than our competitors that do have that, but we go the extra mile because we know how important that is. And then our granola and our nut butters, only us as corporate actually know the recipes for that. And we sell the granola and the nut butters to the franchise owners. So that's another way that corporate is able 
to like sustain ourselves and for me to be able to hire employees on corporate is through royalty and through selling the granola and nut butters. Okay, so, got it. So you're selling kind of wholesale, our, right? So mm-hmm. you're, you're packaging into, and okay, that's super cool. So is there like a, there's an initial contract, they buy the licenses at a one time or is it uh, upfront and then royalties uh, over time? Yeah, so there's just a startup cost, it's pretty low and then an ongoing monthly royalty. Monthly royalty, okay. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it like from top line or is it like bottom line, like profit sharing? It's top line. Top line, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Top line, so we go off that number and then there's also, since they are food trucks, they could just not be open all yeah. month and just be open for one day. So since we can't, unlike storefronts that franchise that have like Subway had, you had to be open a certain amount of days or things yeah. like that to ensure that they're getting the sales. So for us, we have a revenue threshold. So they have to do a certain amount within a year. Um, and if they don't, then they pay the difference of that revenue threshold, okay, if that makes wow. sense. Okay, so, so I'm guaranteed a certain amount. That's super smart. You know, the tagline of the Entrepreneur Studio is that success is no accident. And if you, if anyone listening back hears the number of sort of connected wins over and over and over again, and for you to get, it's kind of like two years is not, is not two and a half years is not a long time, right? To get to kind of where you are and have the amount of documentation along the way. Cause there's a lot of entrepreneurs that don't document anything, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like to choose a strategy that's the difference between your intellectual property that you may patent versus something that you keep as a trade secret and you sell the wholesale. I have no idea how it seems like you just talk through and you're like, this just all happens, right? (laughs) But like there's an ecosystem of surround sound for you. Who's on your team? Yeah. Right? Who who was on the team early and who's kind of stayed on the team to help you with some of these key successes? Honestly, I give it a lot of this is we are, we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) It is crazy. How uneducated. So never mind, success is next. <laughs> I'm no, but my mom, she does have a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, she has taught me a lot. And since she did do Subway, she offers the other perspective. Like, you know, I bought all of my bread and things like that from Subway. So we need to make sure that there's something that they're buying from corporate to make it worth it. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So she did teach me a lot. My mentors have taught me a lot. But honestly, it's crazy how the Lord just opened the right doors and closed doors and closed opportunities mm-hmm. and and put the right people in our path to teach us those things because I studied business marketing, but this is my first time actively doing business. Yeah. You know, I worked cafe jobs up until this moment. So um I think my parents are very wise counsel. I have a lot of successful business friends and family friends that have helped me along the way on decision making. Mm-hmm. My uncle owns businesses out in California, so he's been wise counsel as well. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it really is just a lot of work really, really hard and keep mm-hmm. moving forward. But I think the Lord has just given us wisdom on on little things that looking back on we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we didn't just share the granola recipe and have everyone make it from their house and things like that. Cause it does allow us to have something special that keeps within the Bondi brand. Yeah. Cause that's the, so. that's the hardest part, right? Is brand continuity, right? Mm-hmm. Cause there's corporate support, but like how, what are some of the, maybe let's talk about some of the challenges or even pieces of failure that you're like, okay, we're trying to sell an experience and, it, and a brand is a part of that experience. Our brand is, sort of known, but not widely, it's not a household name yet, yeah. you know what I mean? So what are some of the the challenges or maybe some of the failures that you've learned along the way or some of the lessons that you've, you've learned along the way? 
Yeah, we've had a lot of failure. I think that comes with any business is that you're constantly learning. But there is just this like support system that keeps me going even through the really difficult times. And I think that the hardest part and some of the failures that have come along the way have been with me being a yes person. Mm. Um, And I kind of touched on that at the beginning, how like standing firm in my, no, I want this color pink for my truck was really hard for me, but really important for my growth as a businesswoman. But sometimes I'm interviewing future owners and I want to say yes, but my gut is telling me, no, this isn't the best opportunity for them or for you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't lean into it like I should. And I and I make the wrong decisions on those things. So we have ran in, I think my lowest low so far in this process has been, there was a week where I had two trucks approach me, hey, we're selling, we're done. And I was like this, it was crushing. This business was supposed to bless people. It was supposed to give your family X, Y, and Z. Why are you selling? Like, I felt like a failure. And then on top of it, I was in the process of actually revoking a contract from a owner that wasn't living up to the brand standards, wasn't, you know, quality control was not priority for their truck. They were no showing events, things like that, that was hurting the brand. And since we weren't you know, the Chick-fil-A and they couldn't say, well, the one down the street might be better. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where this could actually be destructive to my growth and to Mm -hmm. the brand and to the business. And so all three of those happening in one week, it was so hard to get out of bed. I was just like, I'm done. (laughs) Obviously this isn't working how I thought it was gonna work. This isn't making the impact I thought it was gonna be doing. I just wanna throw it all in and My mentors obviously helped and my mother and my family, but also I just had to say like, there's a bigger purpose and I I still need to go out there and and start moving forward. The right people are gonna come in and take over and it'll all work out. But it was that literally week was just so hard of I have failed, I've messed up. And my mentor had to grab me and say, Bailey, this is business. People sell all the time, you just don't see it. You have no idea how many people have probably owned X, Y, and Z business right down the street. This is normal. You're just now in the thick of it and it doesn't feel normal, but this is gonna happen to you for the rest of your time with Bondi. There are people coming in and coming out and you're gonna have to adjust to that. And so, yeah, just seeking wise counsel on people that have been through something that I've been through helped me get over that. But I I think about it often, if I didn't have that mentor that shook me and said, it's okay, this is normal, I probably would have been throwing the talent and just saying, it's not worth it. I'll just do my own food truck. I'm done with all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, let's move on. So um, yeah, that was probably a hard one. Also, I'm a lot of people's first jobs and that comes with a lot of challenges of teaching them work ethic and allowing them to learn and allowing them to mess up sometimes. There's been times orders have been misplaced, the wrong thing's been shipped to the wrong Mm -hmm. truck, little things like that that cost me as corporate a lot of money, but having to be okay with the learning process of being these kids' first jobs and allowing mistakes to happen and not getting super frustrated, but using it as teaching moments, as well as teaching them work ethic, having to go in and physically scrub the floors so that they can see how to scrub floors. Yeah, um, that which, made an impression on you. Your mom scrubbing floors and yeah, scrubbing the toilets too. Exactly, yeah. of like, they have to see it and say, like, see that the person in charge is doing it just as much as they are. All right, what were your three values again? It was faith, connection, or faith, community, and health. Faith, community, and health. Yeah, 
Got yeah. it. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, it's like if they're going to scrub the floors, right? They they have to have they have to share in those core values, mm-hmm. right? There's got to be one of those values sort of driving them to to do that, to work hard, to do something that doesn't seem directly connected. But if it's faith, connection, and and health. Mm-hmm. If it's those things, it's like, okay, some of them are going to be motivated by connection. Some of them are going to be motivated by the people that they're serving. Some of them are going to be motivated by the teammate, right? Right. And so there's connection everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful how you are kind of driving culture and teaching you know, people that, that this is the first job that they've ever had. I think that's a pretty cool entry to the workforce yeah. is getting somebody like you that's value centric, you know, showing them and showing them the way. I remember when I was living in Australia, I worked at a cafe and at the cafe, the managers were never really helping us on the floor. And it was a really, really busy cafe and it drove me crazy. I was like, why is this manager not popping out of the office, helping us when it's a rush and then popping back in and finishing what they need to do? And so in that moment at 20, I was like, I will never be that manager that spends more time in my office than out here on the floor. I know I have things to do, but I want to be also out on the floor. And so I have lived with that motto since I started Bondi. I mean, I'm always on the truck. I'm never not working the truck. And at the store, I'm there, but I always take three, every three to four hours, 10 to 15 minutes to be on the floor and help out the people working at the store. And I didn't realize the impact it was making until one day our trash can out front kind of smelled. And so I had them bring it back and I was like, we need to clean out this trash can. I don't think it's been cleaned out for a while. So they take the trash out to the dumpster, they come back in and I'm already physically inside of this huge like box and I'm deep cleaning it with a a rag. And one of my employees commented and said, we have the best boss that she's in the dumpster so that we don't have to be. Mm. And in that moment, it hit me that like, I had learned servant leadership by learning what not to do. Mm -hmm. And now I get to teach these high school and college kids servant leadership by doing it. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was like, I cannot wait for this individual to be the CEO of a company, to be a doctor or a firefighter, whatever it is, and be like, I learned servant leadership from my foundation at Bondi Bulls Mm -hmm. because of how Bailey led and always popped out and took those times. And so for me, that was just so humbling of like, they're always watching and I need to be intentional with my work and intentional with what I say and what I do around them. And so that was just a really, I it wouldn't have hit me if he wouldn't have had made that comment, I think, that they were watching and this was making an impact. Well, see, that's uh, the pace at which you've kind of started up the story and how you've grown. I think it's really interesting for you to come to a place of legacy matters, right? Like for you to have the, the sort of ability to go, I care so much about connection and, you know, all of these things mean so much to me that I, I want to leave a legacy with the people that I interact with. So what are some other things that are like, hey, you know, I, what I would really like to see happen is I want to see our story have these next chapters. What are some of the next chapters that you want to see happen in your story that, that can sort of provide even, uh, an even, even stronger legacy? Yeah, I mean, for Bondi specifically, I want it to be all over the United States. I would say that's our goal. 
I read Truett Cathy's book, um, Eat More Chicken, and he spoke on how having five to 10 year goals and plans for your business is wise and it's, it's needed in some capacity, but also waking up every day and working hard will take you way farther than those five year plans and just continuing to push growth. And I think that's what we've seen as a business is that, yes, I have these plans. I wanna be, you know, I have this dream to be in Huntington Beach, California that I'd love to make a reality. I have these dreams to be global one day. I have these dreams that we will literally be in all all states in the United States. I have these big picture visions and the way, the best way to achieve those I've noticed is by waking up every day and working hard at the small things that I have right now mm -hmm. because in return, you have no idea how many franchise requests we get in our email from people just experiencing it or seeing it on social media. And that's just because we're doing what we're doing and we're not stopping. We're not letting go. We're not refocusing to expand in these big ways. We're doing what we're doing really, really well. And the opportunities are honestly coming to us because we haven't swayed from our mission, from our vision, from our marketing strategies, those types of things. We're always adapting and being like we're okay with the idea of change, but we're staying true to like our core. And that in itself is what has put us into eight states after two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Well, strategy is a lot about what you say yes to, but it's a lot more about what you say no to. Yeah. You know, and I, th I think that's what you've, it's almost like you just have naturally discovered how to be so strategic, you know, because yeah. it's like, I'm going to say yes. Uh, and I have to have this certain color uh, of pink. And that's the the rap that's going to go on all these except the two blues. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing how you've come to say no to the right things. What are some of the things that you wish you'd said yes to? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm honestly, I don't think I have any regrets on okay. in that in that way. Yeah, I I wouldn't say. See, as a yes person, you're like, I say yes to pretty much <laughs> I was everything. I say, I can't like, think of a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, there, there's not a lot of no's. Well, that, there that, aren't a lot of no's. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're gonna get better at no. I mean, I think that's a, a, a pretty valuable word is uh, being able to say no, you know, to, to the wrong things, yeah. right? And saying yes to the right things. I know you've talked a lot about faith. Talk about faith and giving back. What is what does Bondi Bowls do to really give back in like tangible and even some maybe less tangible yeah. ways? That's actually a great question. So Bondi in this past year in 2022, just won philanthropic business of the year, which was such an honor being such a small business and being recognized in that capacity in our, in our community. Ways that we do that uh, is honestly by giving of our finances and our product and our time. We are constantly finding ways to give back to local foster care and adoption agencies. Mm -hmm. That is something that's really passionate for me and my extended family. We have um, cousins that are adopted, my uncle is adopted. Um, and so our passion and our love for that, for that industry and agency is really important. So constantly giving back in that concern. Also koala, the koala sanctuary in Australia. Um, there was like a really big wildfire in 2020 that almost put the koalas extinct in, in that area. Um, and so there's a lot of rehabilitation. So I do give a lot of money in that regards. And we sponsor, almost all of our trucks sponsor koala as well, Aww. that fund. So we have, um, if they do sponsor one, they have a picture of a really cute koala on their window. That's, that's the koala that they are sponsoring in Australia. So right when someone walks up, they've got the A-frame of the story. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going and then on. And they have a koala. <laughs> they have a koala, awesome. an A-frame, and a venue. <laughs> okay. 
Yes. And that's all it. And then we also always, I think something that makes us unique is that always taking orders outside of our truck, which allows for that conversation that we had talked about at the beginning in our mission statement of encouraging God honoring conversation. We're outside, we're discussing, we're talking, we're doing life with our customers instead of opening up the window. What would you like to order? Okay, thank you. And then slamming the window shut. Mm. We have people standing outside the truck. Yeah, they're physically out there in just about every weather. There was one time where I was outside of a boutique fitness class and there was ice on the ground. And I was like, you know what? It's not worth it for us to stand out there. So we'll go through the window. But most of the time we're outside engaging with the customers, asking about their day while they wait on their order, those types of things. Because I think that's really important in creating that community and that culture where you just love going to a pink food truck um, for that reason. But yeah, we give back in through schools, speaking opportunities, and just getting to inspire future leaders as well as give back to any of their like nonprofits that they're fundraising for. Our schools do a lot of fundraisers and things like that. So getting to be a part of that and giving back to the community. That's awesome. What is, uh, tell us a story of like one of the most memorable things that have happened conversationally outside of a food truck. Ooh, I think one that's a core memory. I, I actually have two. One's at the store and one's at the food truck. Okay. So the food truck, I had, um, they both are kind of on the same theme. A woman come up to me and she had read the story and she came over almost in tears just saying, thank you for having your story out there. It's very inspiring. My husband's going through the same thing. And this was really encouraging mm. for me and my family. And we get a lot of those. And a lot of the truck owners will speak on that too, of just people will comment on on just getting to read that story mm-hmm. and walk away with a different conversation. And that's what it's all about. That's how we're encouraging those conversations. I want people to experience Bondi, either if it's reading the story or just experiencing the environment and the culture that we've provided and walking away and having a positive conversation with their friends, whether it be like, this was the cutest food truck. I'm so glad we chose to do this. Mm-hmm. Or if it's, did you read that story? It touched my life and now I want to do X, Y, and Z. That's kind of how we do it. And when she brought that up to me and I got to like vividly or like real life experience that the story was touching their lives. Wow. That was so humbling. And thankfully that, you know, my dad was a non-invasive cancer and yeah. we went through treatments for about six months and, you know, had to do certain things and he was unstable at times, but, you know, he was okay. And I know that that's not the story for everyone. So my sympathy and my empathy is just, it It rocks me some of the stories that I hear of people's lives that don't have the same outcome as us um, because it's very real when you're in it. Um, it seems like you were like, uh, hey, dad, I need you to get well so you can help me with this stuff and you put him to work. It, oh, yeah. He is definitely... He's like, yes, ma'am. He works for Bondi. I think that's... <laughs> he's also um, an emergency room doctor. So I was feeding him this when he was going through cancer treatment. COVID was happening and he's a 60-year-old ER doctor. So... Again, this was March of 2020. We had no idea what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to keep him as healthy as we could. But he, I think selfishly or like secretly loves the title Bondi Bulls Dad Mm -hmm. more than he does ER Doctor. Please tell me (laughs) who shows up on social media as Bondi Bulls Dad. You know, I should probably talk about him more. I don't. He's very shy and he's very much the opposite of me and my mother. We're Uh the loud ones. He is very quiet. He's behind the scenes. He comes to Bondi every day gets a brimple, so our size is a small, medium brimple, because mm-hmm. that's my dad. He gets a brimple every single day, comes in, says hi to all my employees, fixes something that they need fixing, takes the trash out for them, and then goes on his day. Wow. Um, so that's the kind of kind of man he is, and I'm so honored to have him part of the team. But yeah. 
Yeah. What's your favorite thing about your dad? Oh, there's so many things. I think his humility. Yeah. He walks around and you would have no idea the type of man he is or the lives he's changed or the things he does out of the kindness of his heart. He serves people so beautifully. Both of my parents do. And he does everything ethically. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that I've learned in business is that not very many businesses do ethical business making. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of big decisions in business that can be done unethical. And I've had to face those opportunities or those challenges. And I present them to my parents and my dad always is like the ethical one we we're always going this route mm -hmm. and um that has just been really inspiring because just watching him do that in his life and seeing the compounding blessings that's come with that and just the lives that he's again changed through that and the way that he served but it comes from his humility of yeah. just walking around with this always looking for ways to serve and a servant leader always mm -hmm. with humility. I don't know. I think that's probably my favorite thing. Well, that's Bondi Bowl's dad. What's your favorite thing about Bondi Bowl's mom? Oh my goodness. Okay. My mom, she is wise counsel. She is mm -hmm. so wise and discerning. She has a strong work ethic, but she loves people big. Mm -hmm. And she is so discerning that sometimes a decision that would make logical sense is sometimes not always the right decision. Mm -hmm. um, and she has such this in tune gut feeling to mm -hmm. make the right decision, even when it looks like it would be catastrophic or be the wrong idea. Mm -hmm. She leans in into those and has given me such wise counsel over these two and a half years. She's definitely the first person I call yeah. every single day. So we've talked already three times today, um, which has been really cool for our relationship because we weren't that close, especially when I moved to California and then Australia. We talked mm -hmm. maybe once or twice a month, sent a text message here and there, but we didn't talk consistently and now we talk every it's single totally, day. Totally different story. Now. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that has been really awesome to hear about your story is just the people that are around you, right? Yeah. And all of the lessons that you've learned. I mean, just all of the learning th uh, from failure, growth through hardship, right? And then growth through engaging people and things like that. It's really powerful to see your vision, your mission, your values show up externally for what's been installed mm. in you internally, right? Yeah. So it's it's really powerful. What What is gonna happen if like, one day you're like, it's time to graduate from Bondi Bowls. No. Never. No, wow. never. Okay. No, I actually get that question a lot of like, okay, when are you going to sell it? Or, you know, um, what's the price you're going to sell it for? When's that day coming? Yeah. And it was interesting, like when I signed some of the first franchises or license, um, that, that was their big question. Well, is it always going to be you? Or like when you sell, like, what does this contract look like? They're like, we're okay signing this contract with you, but like, if it's a different owner, it might look different. Wow. Um, and I was just like, I can't believe you're even asking that. <laughs> you know, I would never sell. Yeah, I think I think that this is my baby. And so it'll always be a part of me. I, I can't picture myself going that route, but I do see myself doing, getting to free my time more so that I can do other adventures and go down different paths. Or um, I would love to do a nonprofit or some sort of mission focused mm -hmm. business as well that is grounded in that. So I do see that there'll probably be other things added to my plate, mm -hmm. but I don't think I would ever remove Bondi. Okay, well, you heard it here first. <laughs> Super good. Well, uh, I have some rapid fire questions okay. for you. You ready? I knew this was coming and I don't yeah. think I'm ready. You're not, you're not ready. Do you need a breath? Like take a couple yeah. deep breaths? All right. So um, here's the first one. 
did you bring back a temporary accent from Australia? Ooh, I fake it, but no. Are you going to do an impression right now? Uh, no, I don't think I no, can. It's too like embarrassing. Right no. Okay. Uh, like, the only thing, like, shot? I give it a try every time. <laughs> I always want to say, well, it's embarrassing because one of our franchise owners is Australian. Uh-huh. He, like, came from Australia, has the accent, and they, like, him and his family just got back from Australia, like, on Tuesday or something like that. Yeah. And so I can't do it in front of him. That's so embarrassing. Okay. Did so, any Did anybody get you with drop bears? No, they got me though with the, uh, what are they called? Like kookaburro birds mm-hmm. that come and peck your head. Yep. Yeah, those scared me. I always walked around with a stick for a while. See, I don't understand. Like I, I uh, ran a software company that was all of the developers and uh, uh, other executive team members were uh, Australian. And man, the amount of jokes that those guys oh, played on so me. Oh, they're so funny. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. All right, well, what's your biggest passion outside of work? Oh my gosh, I think... Serving kids. I love volunteering. That's awesome. Little kids. Okay. Well, what's a Bondi bowl combo that you tried and it didn't work? Oh my gosh. So many. We were trying to incorporate a lot of like weird spices into it. (laughs) And that is no, do not mix fruit and spices. Okay. Oh, I thought of another passion. Oh, what's the passion? I love wakeboarding. Okay. Yes. Favorite lake? Um, my parents grew up on a small little lake in uh, Oklahoma, and okay. so we would always go there There's every morning. There's in Oklahoma. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. What's a guilty pleasure in your life and as vulnerable as you can get? <laughs> I know. Shoot. I don't really do anything outside of Bondi is the problem. <laughs> I'm like trying to picture what I do outside of Bondi. I mean, I watch a lot of Netflix, but okay. I feel like that's a lame one. Why is that but lame? I feel like there's so many other things like would be funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know. So I apologize. Okay. Well, uh, you know. I'll um, get better. The next question. What about a, a band one. or like. Oh, see, I don't really listen to music. I don't know oh artists. Oh my gosh. When I drive in my car, there's no music playing. I sit in like silence. It's weird. This is amazing. I know. It's a weird thing I about me. It. All right. Well, who would play you in a movie? I love the girl from um, Blindside, the mom. Oh, yeah. I Sandra love her. Yeah, yeah okay. I think she's fun. I would like her to play All me, right, but there you go. I feel like it would have to be someone younger. I don't know. I mean, if they're playing knows? a 24 year old, but yeah. I'd be Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite non healthy food? Ooh, I eat a lot of pizza. I eat a lot of hideaway pizza. Hideaway pizza. That'd be my guilty pleasure too, I guess. Okay, there you go. We got it out of you somehow. (laughs) All right, what's one new interest or hobby that you'd like to explore? I started running. Okay. Yes, I'm going to run the OKC Marathon. Started two weeks ago. No way. Yep. Couch potato to marathon. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so you go full throttle with what you do. Yeah. I picked up on that during the conversation. (laughs) Okay, well, that's super good. Uh, Who is another entrepreneur that inspires you? Ooh, there's a lot. I would say I love um, the owners of Cousins Maine Lobster. Okay. I looked up to them so much, especially when I got started, Mm -hmm. that I actually like DM'd them consistently to get a phone call with them. And I got a 30 minute phone call at the very beginning starting Bondi. And it was just like so impactful. I learned so much and they, I kind of rapid fired them with just like, why do you have one social media? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Um, and I learned a lot and it played a foundation into Bondi in a lot of big ways. So you're a persistent one. I am. Okay. Yes. This is the silence in the car. You're working on your Exactly. I guess that's what it is. Okay. I'm game right. planning. Oh, that's super good. Well, what's next for you and what's next with Bondi Bowls? Um, like I said, I really want to be on Huntington Beach with mm-hmm. Bondi Bowls. We'll see if that ever actually happens. And then for me, I think I'm slowly starting to get a life outside of Bondi. So I think just, okay. yeah diving into that, running the marathon, 
Yeah. I think those are my next steps. Do you listen to music when you're running the marathon? No, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> We've been training. We did seven miles on Saturday, not a single song. Wow. <laughs> not like a book on tape. Yeah, okay. No. no I run with, um, so I was really passionate about running a marathon and then I just pitched it to some of my friends and they're like, yeah. And so we, we talked the whole time. And if I run by myself, I just run in silence. So... Okay. I'm clearly not a runner. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I have to listen to music when I work out. So I, I, I'm disoriented by what you're saying. That's fair. I think a lot of people are that way. So. Well, I have to say it, it has been awesome to sit down, have a conversation. Your effervescence is as palpable, right? I can, it's, it's amazing just how passionate you are. It really comes across. And it's been amazing just to kind of learn your story and hear what's next. And I, can, I cannot wait to just follow you on social media <laughs> even more and see what happens Thank next you. with you and Bondi Balls. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming, Bailey. Uh, uh, uh.